1: Landing Page Optimization expert, Tim Ash, is here to show you what it takes to create optimal landing pages. LPO brings you detailed case studies, opinions, and analysis from the leaders of landing page optimization. Now here's your host, Tim Ash.
2: Welcome to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, your show on webmasterradio.fm that brings you the latest tips, tricks, and thought leadership for improving conversions. Uh, this week, I am very happy to have my friend and colleague Scott Brinker with me. Now, most of you already know Scott. He's the co-founder and CTO of uh, Boston-based Ion Interactive, and uh, heck of a smart technical guy, uh, MIT and all that underachieving kind of stuff. And uh, he also blogs about kind of the intersection of technology and marketing under Chief marketing Uh Scott, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks, Tim. It's uh, sort of like coming on to the Oprah Winfrey of uh, landing page optimization. Oh,
2: (laughs) I'm not sure what to do with that, so I think I'm going to leave it alone. (laughs) Uh, Well, well, welcome, and uh, again, you you guys have been um, at Ion Interactive been at the forefront of improving conversion rates for for years now, um, and um, have done a lot to kind of spread the gospel, if you will. Uh, So, I wanted to just, uh, if you could give a quick overview, and talking real short, of just uh, Ion Interactive and and how you got to be where you are.
3: Sure. Uh, So, Ion started in 1998 as a boutique web development shop and uh, spent a good seven years working with a lot of clients on everything from, you know, online marketing campaigns to building out their websites. And sort of through that process, um, we found again and again this recurring issue that for marketers who were running online advertising, uh, the challenge wasn't getting the advertising up there. The challenge for them was how to be able to respond to it. Uh, and their website, their traditional website management process was a little bit too slow to make that happen. And so that's where the vision for post-click marketing was born.
2: Um, And uh, that's one of the phrases you guys have coined over the years, Uh, very much appreciated. Uh, uh, Landing page optimizations, another way people refer to it, but basically post-click is uh, regardless of how you get the traffic there, what are you going to do once they land on your site, is that right?
3: Exactly, and I think... We swear to look at that as like a continuum where there's everything people do to get traffic to you, and certainly once you've started to engage with someone, there's hopefully a long relationship you might have with them uh, that gets into all sorts of fun things with marketing automation and remarketing and so on, but it's those first few pages, that very beginning of an experience, the first time someone's coming to see you or the first time they're responding to a particular campaign. it's that slice that we uh, we really focus on.
2: And so um, when you say the first few pages, something I talk about in, in my landing page optimization book, the landing page is only the beginning of the process, anywhere from where the traffic lands on your site to the actual conversion point. All of the pages in between that constitute that conversion path are really game for optimization.
3: Absolutely, and I think... Um, Taking a look at that as a holistic path is absolutely the right way to do it. Um, you know, it's not enough just to optimize one page, um, partly because, you know, usually there's more than one page in actually getting to the final conversion. But also, you know, as marketers, I think it's sometimes easy to fall into the trap of saying, okay, we're working on a particular ad or we're working on a particular landing page. But we just keep need to keep reminding ourselves that from the user's perspective, this is you know, not a series of discrete steps. It's essentially just one continuous flow. And if at any point in time along in that flow, something doesn't seem right to them, that the expectations set aren't being, you know, lived up to, uh, yeah, it falls apart pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, so there's a the disconnect or drop ball. And in fact, you know, despite the notion of post-click marketing, we need to take that probably upstream into the traffic sources. Where did they come from? What Context that they experience, uh, what was their intent, and what what is the promise that uh, you're making upstream that the rest of the landing page experience has to deliver on?
3: Yes, in fact, uh, we tend to be advocates for uh, as many landing pages as possible, and really the main reason for that is uh, what we talk about as being message match. Of you know, if you're going to make a relatively specific promise in an ad. If you can have a landing page that is really geared to talk about that promise and build upon it directly without the user having to, you know, sort of make guesses or, you know, try and leap to, oh, you mean this, uh, just spell it out for them very clearly, very straightforward. Uh, We actually think that's one of the first things that can get people a really big lift to their uh, conversions.
2: Well, that kind of naturally leads to the notion of having at least uh, templated pages for the beginning of the process. In other words, if you want to match the messaging and intent of what happened upstream, you know, you're not going to hard code dozens or hundreds or hundreds of thousands in some extreme cases of landing pages to match that. You essentially need some kind of content management system most of the time, wouldn't you say?
3: Uh, as a, <laughs> that's a perfect setup. Uh, yes, that's exactly uh, what we do. Um, and so I think, yeah, I mean, basically when you talk to people who have come from a background of creating landing pages by hand, um, even if they're, they're good landing pages and they've had success with them, typically the time it takes them to get a new page launched can be, can be a while. It's not unusual for us to talk to companies who it takes them, you know, weeks to get a new landing page up by the time they go through their IT department and get the various approvals and so on. And I I think you and I both know that the speed at which uh, online marketing is happening this day, particularly in things like search and, you know, uh, folks, uh, you know, promoting things through social, um, the cycle time just needs to be a lot faster. I mean, if you have an idea and you want to put an ad up, Google has made it very easy for you to get an ad online in a matter of an hour, and a lot of marketers are actually very responsive with that. We really believe you should have that same sort of speed to, okay, that same day, be able to get the landing page up that's really matched uh, to that new ad you want to try. Yeah,
2: in fact, I want to just take off on that. The the notion of competing on cycle times, I think, uh, is really important. Uh, The the story I I like to tell uh, from the uh, offline world is uh, the Japanese, when they first entered the U.S. auto market, uh, didn't have any better cars than their U.S. counterparts. But what they did is they put out a new model every three or four years instead of six or seven years. And just by being able to have more wax at the problem and getting it right Along the way, in just faster iteration, they were able to dominate the U.S. market in fairly short order. Uh, so that's, that's really just speed as a competitive advantage.
3: Yes, and I, I think there, there's two things. One is speed, and the other is, and I'm sure this is near and dear to your heart, is the culture of testing. that testing, landing page optimization, isn't something that someone should just do as a project, like, okay, this month we're going to optimize our pages, um, and then once that's done, we'll just forget about that for the next year. Um, Yeah, what we're really trying to all do here is get people to develop the skills and the process and sort of the mindset to just say, hey, this this is actually how we perform our daily operations in marketing, is we're coming up with new ideas we're testing them, we're continually iterating, and, um, yeah, that, that end-to-end cycle speed of being able to just continually test more than your competitors, I, I think is a huge competitive advantage.
2: Oh, So kind of like the uh, Red Queen and Alice in Wonderland, you have to run twice as fast just to stay in place. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to look at it, sure. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, it's a... Uh, you have to really, really basically be innovative all the time, can't rest on your laurels. And what you said is that one way to do that is create a culture of testing in your company. What's what's a, a couple of hallmarks of a company that has this culture of testing in it, and how do they operate differently from the rest of us?
3: Well, um, I think there's a couple things. First is uh, I, I, it's tied to cycle speed. I mean, the moment you get into the mode of testing as a regular part of your operations, um, I mean, one of the first things people do is they start el- eliminating the process and organizational barriers that make testing hard. Because if you have to do, take three weeks to run, you know, even put a single test together, much less actually, you know, take the time to get the results, um, yeah, that, that's just too painful of an experience. Um, so I think uh, speed is one of them. Um, you know, Tool set, uh, getting people really trained. We see that uh, people who tend to have really adopted this testing culture are folks who are often some of the best participants uh, at these conferences. Um, you know, they're very engaged with trying to perfect uh, their art. So it's, it's awesome. And you see it really involves uh, marketers who are into testing, are some of the most engaged marketers in what online is really all about.
2: Well, very good. I appreciate that. We're here with Scott Brinker from Ion Interactive. Uh, I'm your host, Tim Ash, for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And after we come back from our commercial break, I want to know about your sorted past, Scott. I understand you helped launch the careers of the BGs and Barry Manilow and other pop stars in the eighties. So we'll be back with this after a short break.
1: More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Affiliatecontracts.com is an affiliate network like no other hands-on account management right from setup gives personal attention with continual account optimization and our affiliates will attest our offers consistently pay more money every single day seriously. And hey, want to make a lot of money fast? Check out our unbeatable, I mean unbeatable insurance offers. Higher conversions with programs that are sustainable and scalable because AffiliateContracts.com is committed to you for the long run. Bigger payouts, higher conversions, and attention you expect from dedicated affiliate managers. AffiliateContracts.com, that's what the affiliate world needs.
0: Get more traffic maximizing details now at friendfinder.com. Are you happy with your landing page performance? Discover how to improve your landing page performance with conversioncritic.com. Brought to you by Engine Ready. Turn your underperforming landing pages into cost effective sales producing machines. Jim Hedger and Dave Davies bring you the experts and in the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Webology Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm.
1: Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash.
3: Welcome
2: back, this is Tim Ash, your host for LPO, Landing Page Optimization on Webmaster Radio, and this week I have the pleasure of talking to my friend Scott Brinker from Ion Interactive, and Scott, is it really true that you are a, a pop songwriter in a former life?
3: Um, I think it depends on how you define pop, songwriter, and former life, um, but yeah, when I was starting out, I, uh, I expected my life to be in the music industry, and uh, all this stuff with online software and marketing was, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, a, a day job to uh, pay the bills. Uh, thank goodness, uh, for both my sake and the rest of the, uh, listening public's sake, uh, that <laughs> the software side won out.
2: Well, there was no online software side back in the '80s, but I mean, I, I understand you, you wrote songs for you know, many aspiring pop stars in the in, in the Florida area. One of them got signed to A and M Records. Is that right?
3: That that is true. And it, actually, it's funny uh, for the online stuff. So that was actually part of my former life. At that point, is uh, I ran one of the largest bulletin board systems uh, in the '80s uh, in the Southeast U.S. and was involved in that space up until bulletin board systems completely were overtaken by the web. So there wasn't online. Okay, fair
2: enough. I do remember those VBSs and Usenet groups and all of the stuff we had to put up with before we had a a web browser interface. So you're right, uh, my bad. I've
3: dated Uh, myself terribly, though.
2: (laughs) Hey, hey, I I actually worked on some punch card machines at Rutgers. uh, So, yes, we are ancient dinosaurs, and uh, we're definitely not the digital natives that are probably listening to this segment. Uh, Well, let's get back to talking about... uh, improving conversions. One of the things that you guys kind of started out and specialize in still is this notion of uh, very segmented uh, business-to-business experiences where roles and the tasks people are trying to achieve when they come to a website are are very clear and very distinct from other potential experiences on the site. Can you talk about segmentation a bit? Sure.
3: And I think B2B is actually a, a, a great space to talk about that in. Because um, certainly in a lot of business-to-business sales, you've got so many different dimensions in which you're engaging with people. Uh, very often um, when you're selling a solution, depending on the particular industry, you're selling it to, if you sell to multiple industries. You know, your product might be the same, but the way people use it and the net benefit it gives them can vary dramatically, both in the way it's described and how it's actually used. But then also B2B, because the sales tend to be larger and longer, uh, I think you have a much more pronounced buying funnel. People go through different stages of uh, how they make their decisions about what to buy and who to work with. And then you've also got different participants. Um, You know, typically these decisions are not made by a single person. You know, maybe it's, uh, you know, a recommender and a decision maker. Maybe it's even a larger committee. And each of those folks has their own particular interests and concerns that need to be addressed. So all of those axes become things where you really want to be able to, in your post-click marketing experience, get the right information to the right respondent at the right time.
2: Um, And so if you kind of... I guess the way that that I talk about it in my book, again, is the notion of uh, roles and tasks that people are trying to accomplish. So not so much, you know, made-up personas, which I'm not a fan of, um, but, you know, perhaps cognitive styles and how people operate. But really the thing that dominates any experience is what's your relationship to the interaction? What's your role and what are you trying to accomplish in the moment? Can you talk to that and how you can effectively segment people that way?
3: Sure. So one of the things we uh, advocate um, online marketers experimenting with is what we call multi-step landing pages. And we talked a little bit earlier that, you know, a lot of times when people are interacting with a website, you can look at it as a path. But when we think about multi-step landing pages, we're actually trying to focus on something very carefully crafted just like you would in a lot of cases have a single landing page that you know if your pitch was the same to everyone who was coming to that you'd really try and make it as direct and match to the ad as possible the moment you've got a segmented audience where for instance in the case of ion it's typical that people coming with an interest in our software uh, sort of fall into two categories there's in-house marketers who want to use this software themselves, um, and then there's agencies who want to use it for their clients. And although they're both looking at some level for the same net functionality, um, their issues and their concerns and how they sort of frame the value proposition is very different. And someone responding to our ad on, say, a search for landing page optimization on Google you know, they've clicked on that keyword. We don't necessarily know, are you an agency or are you an in-house marketer? And so with a multi-step landing page, the setup is really very simple. It's just on that first page, essentially giving the respondent two choices, you know, first saying, hey, welcome, yep, we've got solutions for landing page optimization. You're at the right spot. Um, Would you like to hear what we have for agencies or in-house marketers? And... I think one of the things that's interesting about these multi-step paths is marketers early on in the web we sort of got this impression that having people do more clicks is a bad thing, and I think yeah, you've heard of, I've got, heard of
2: the click, the three-click uh, myth, you know, where everything important should be within three clicks of your homepage.
3: Exactly, and it's like these rules sort of got embedded in our psyche without necessarily the. Uh, real-world evidence to back it up, I mean, what we think people are looking for is the fastest, easiest way to get what's relevant to them. So if they come to a page and I'm looking for, let's say I'm an agency, and I'm looking for landing page optimization solutions, do landing page optimization, I click on the ad, I'm given an choice, hey, are you interested in the solution for agencies? It is actually a great click for me to make because I'm like, okay, good, I can actually hear specifically what I want.
2: Yeah, so basically one, and one way to put it is, well, there are two important things. At the very head of this process, if you don't know who someone is, ask them. I mean, if you go to our, our site tuner's homepage, we let you make a choice among four different things. So we don't try to get our messaging at you or tell you anything. We're just saying, raise your hand. Who are you? What are you here for? What do you care about? And, and I think many homepages or landing pages are cluttered up where they're trying to send mixed messages to every possible role or every possible class of users who shows up, and and, uh, that's where the big kind of disconnect comes from. Would you agree with that?
3: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, And what's fascinating is, I mean, the example with your homepage is great. I mean, if you were driving people to that page from an ad, and then let's say the second page, just, you know, for sake of argument, was where a conversion event was, you know, All right, so presumably by targeting your message to what someone specifically is looking for, you increase your conversion rate. But what's great about these segmentation choices is even for the people who don't convert, if they at least gave you that one click or, you know, two clicks or whatever that was, you now get a tremendous amount of information and insight to be able to see, okay, out of these different categories of people who are responding to a particular ad, Which ones am I doing a good job of, you know, presenting myself to, and which ones do I seem to not be connecting with? To uh, or or, you know just just to even figure
2: out what uh, the distribution of people showing up. If you see that you give them two choices and three quarters of people are clicking on one of them, that says maybe devote more screen real estate and emphasis to that because that's your dominant population.
3: Exactly, and that's why I think you know although conversion optimization is sort of the big mission here, Um, I I think there are lots of other ancillary missions that people get a lot out of, and you really put your finger on it, is learning about who your audience is, you know, from the different traffic uh, sources that you're pulling from. That is a tremendous amount of information. I mean, ultimately, you use that for conversion optimization, but it's it's an intermediate step that has a lot of value on its own.
2: Okay, well, thank you so much, Scott. Uh, we're going to take another commercial break. This is your host, Tim Ash for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And when we come back, I want to pick up on the notion of leading people down that slippery slope over many, many pages.
1: More LPO, Landing Page Optimization, in just a moment revenues can come from many different sources are you capturing additional revenue from your payment processor or leaving money on the table lytol and company can help you grow your top line revenue lytol and company provides payment processing and consultative merchant services for multi-channel retailers along with internet and direct response businesses who sell directly to consumers lower the total cost of payment acceptance while improving your business processes and chargeback management with lytol and company's innovative reporting and analytics features Company. The card's not present, but we are. Find out more at Lighthall. L-I-T-L-E dot com.
0: maximum exposure to over 70 million people in the U.S. alone. If this were a real PR web release date, your website would have so much traffic, you'd be tempted to duck and cover. If you have an online marketing emergency, go to PRWebOffer.com for 25% off. Web, the premier online news release and content distribution service. xy affiliate market. Are you an affiliate? If yes, you'll pay me. No ifs, ands, or maybes. Get paid daily, make a mad dash, sign up as a flash, quickly convert the clicks into cash. Affiliate marketing network is first place. I cut to the chase. It's all performance based. listen to what I'm telling you, cause this what you better do. Join as a publisher and maximize your revenue. Think we agreed that money is what you need and need. You can get paid for sales and leads. Not one thing lacking. Don't get it cracking. Even comes with state of the art tracking. Where did it start? You can do it a couple ways. 866XY7 page. It's toll free. Tell me what you're waiting on. So log on to XY7. Press this, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm.
1: Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash.
2: Welcome back. This is Tim Ash, your host for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And this week we are talking with Scott Brinker from Ion Interactive. And Scott, I just want to pick up our conversation of about the, the notion that you need to do things in a few number of clicks. There's a lot of academic research from Peter Paroli and all that work on information forging theory that basically says people just need to feel like they're getting closer to their goal. As long as they feel that that carrot is dangling in front of their nose, they'll take that extra little step to it.
3: Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right and that, you know, other things being equal, other things being equal, the fewer clicks, the better, but the problem is that other things are very rarely equal. So if I try to shove all of the information about what I have to offer on one page because I feel like, oh, okay, well, you know, someone only, no click. You just you click on the ad and you're there and it's all there, you know, um, from from the user's perspective, that's still actually a tremendous amount of work because now they have to read through this whole page and parse out, okay, what's the relevant pieces of this to me? And I think that's actually, in a lot of cases, a lot more work than saying, oh, you know, here, let's ask you a quick question. Do you want A or B? Are you more interested in X or Y? Um, and a couple quick clicks can actually take someone much less time to then get to the information that's really pertinent to their search.
2: So if I had to, uh, you know, the way that the, we would kind of characterize the same thing is there's, there's a couple of keys here. One is having very few choices. Um, and another the is having very simple actions, not compound actions or complicated actions or anything that requires any consideration, really, because people are just conditioned to click. And then get them down to content that's so specific that it just you know, yells out at them, oh, this is perfect, this is what I've been looking for all my life, these people really get me. That's really the kind of aha experience that most people are yearning for on the web but rarely get on a landing page.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think you're right on. And the difference between uh, PPC landing pages and more of a SEO landing pages is I think in PPC, you both have the opportunity to very specifically control that experience for the first few clicks. And I would argue you have the responsibility, too, because, you know, with a PPC ad, you are really making a very explicit promise to someone. And, you know, there's a lot of research that says... People generally are suspicious of PPC ads, you know, and I think one of the reasons that suspicion has grown up is there's a lot of scenarios where people click on an ad and what they see after that just doesn't seem like it was what they were being promised.
2: Yeah, so you know no bait and, and switch. That's a matching intent from the from the upstream ad or acquisition traffic source to the landing page. is absolutely critical. If you lie to someone or there's a... Even an unintentional disconnect—that's that, the usually the biggest drop ball of all, isn't it?
3: I think you're you're right that it's, it's very rarely even an intentional uh, bait and switch. It's it's unintentional. You know that basically the person who was experimenting with different ads to get more click through rate, you know, was completely disconnected from the person actually putting up the pages that they were going to send people to, and. uh, Yeah, it's sort of hard to believe we've gone to a place where the industry considers that at all a reasonable practice. Um, Yeah, I agree. There's
2: silos within companies, and I think even a few years ago when there weren't, say, PPC campaign management people inside of companies or affiliate managers to manage that channel, right now there's this kind of a a new uh, breed of optimization and conversion people growing up in companies and in agencies, Uh, and so they're having to kind of carve out their turf, and so as a result, you just have this siloing, but really, the whole marketing department, in fact, the whole company should be behind the conversion improvement experience.
3: Yes, uh, and, and that's why I'm so happy people like uh, you are out there advocating this tirelessly every day, because um, <laughs> I saw you last week, uh, you know, you, you said a phrase that, you know, you've been at this a, a, a very long time, and you really felt that this was a turning point this year in feeling like you weren't necessarily out in the wilderness, you know, uh, shouting that message, it, it it's now a lot of people not just on the front lines of marketing, but higher up in the organization, are getting the point that, yeah, this is this is real value to companies. This is where real money can be made, and they've got to pay attention.
2: Yeah, and, the, and breaking down those walls. So, again, you know, to come back to kind of what you said about a culture of testing, one of the ways to do that is to have you know, very – uh, closely coordinated teams, the military uh, 20, 30 years ago uh, really changed how they did business. They used to have functional areas. You know, we have, for example, a tank division or an art- artillery battery or, or a troop of scouts. And then what they did was, because those are so inflexible and didn't really talk to each other, they – recreated things into task forces where you'd have a few tanks, a few artillery pieces, and a few scouts that were designed for a specific mission. And everybody had that same mission in mind. And I think that, you know, one of the keys that we're talking about here behind the scenes is that the culture in companies has to change to not be so siloed and to be more mission-focused, if you will.
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, my background is an engineer, one of the things I've Seen over the past 15 years was this evolution of agile programming methodologies and test-driven development. Um, and although those things don't match exactly to what needs to happen in marketing, I think the the principle behind them is very much what we need to do. Marketing groups need to be, as as you gave with a great example there, from you know these military task forces, they need to be these you know little agile teams that are doing very quick sprints and moving that cycle speed uh, up as fast as possible. And, yeah, that this whole thing of, like, a test-driven marketing culture where the moment you have an idea, you know, your second thought, you know, right on the heels of that is, okay, what tests can we put together to prove this idea out? Um, uh, that, that seems to be where we're headed, and it's uh, really an exciting future.
2: Yeah, so we're really talking about just to kind of sum up today's segment, uh, Competing on cycle times, uh, breaking down those uh, cultural barriers and silos, and being a metrics uh, or numbers-driven organization. I think that's, that's the ones that are really going to, um, like you say, win in this hyper-competitive environment. Uh, Scott, uh, thanks again for being on the show. I just want to give uh, our audience a way to connect with you on ION Interactive. Uh, of course, they can Look at your blog, ChiefMarketingTechnologist.com. And are you going to be at any upcoming shows or events?
3: So I will be speaking at Search Insider Summit in a couple weeks, uh, December 2nd through 5th in Park City, Utah. And then I think I'm going to take a break for the holidays and worry about speaking in 2010 after that.
2: 2010, I never thought we'd live to see the day. Oh, well, uh, another day older, hopefully another day wiser after this interview with Scott Brinker. Thanks again to all of our listeners, and we'll see you next week on LPO, Landing Page Optimization.